Hello again. It's me, Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. We've got a lot in store for you this week. Adrian Lester joins us to chat about new Channel 4 cyber thriller, The Undeclared War. Indira Varma is busy, busy, busy. Emma's telling us all about starring in The Seagull, as well as Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Jennifer Saunders gives us all the news about Sister Act, the musical. And show chef Martha was knocking on a few of your doors, bringing the Waitrose barbecue experience to your home. And you've been in touch with your dilemmas. Let's go to Maria now and see what you've been needing help with this time round. How are you? you? Are you bouncing back? I am, Graham. I've been watching the tennis. It's marvellous. Do you like the tennis? No. <laughs> no. Hey, hey, guess what, Maria? What, 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 what? what? In a last-ditch uh, attempt to provide yes. content, I left the house. I had an experience. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Did you have a police escort? I did. <laughs> no, no, no. That's so weird you would say that. I no, did. No, you didn't really. I did. Well, you were arrested, Graham. Is that why you had a police escort? Oh, no, goodness. that's so hilarious. I... <laughs> no, what happened was, what happened was, I uh, decided I would go to see Elton John on his farewell, you know, Yellow Brick Road tour. Because, yes, you know, yes. he's not coming our way again. And I kept looking at the dates because it's been going, you know, the, the dates change and the places change and all that sort of stuff. And I kept thinking, when am I going to be closest to this tour? And I was even thinking, like, will I go uh, in New York? When I'm in New York, will I go there? When's he back in London? Da, 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 da. Well, you'll never guess what. He rocked, up in, he rocked up in Cork last night. Get out of here. Yes, at Parky Cueve, the GAA Stadium. So uh, I went, uh, me and my sister, and uh, <laughs> so I I sort of organised it. I organised it. Now, here's the thing. In London, I'm not famous. Who cares? There's some bloke off the telly wandering around London. You, well, you've all, you, you, you are no, But you've all seen people. Cork, I will admit, in Cork, I am quite famous. <laughs> well, you are the prodigal son who has returned, Graham. So... Uh, so I had this special pass so that I could drive down to the stadium and, and fancy parking. Anyway, n- no guard would let me through. And then finally, a very nice guard, and big shout out to him. I think his name was Jan. My mother, my mother, my sister claims he's Dutch, but he looked very Irish and sounded very Irish to me. But anyway, a great guard. Um, that's he, Irish, that's possible. He uh, organised the aforementioned police escort. <laughs> Oh my goodness! How far did they escort you? Oh, only about a hundred yards. But uh, oh. but st- you should have driven <laughs> but around but, a bit. But that is so funny that you would say that. And then I I had a, I did have one anyway. Elton John was amazing, and I was wearing my mask. So I was getting away with it. No one had noticed me. And then yeah. Elton John announced from the stage that I was oh, there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you are flying in top circles these days, Nelly Norton. I know, but also. You know, it was a special night because, you know, he's not... I, I genuinely believe... He might do some Vegas gigs and he might do some London gigs or whatever, but uh, he's not going to tour again. And so it really was a kind of an emotional night. And, um, and he was oh, brilliant. You know, it, he's got... In, there's a bit in Rockabound about time going slowly or something. And just like, oh, oh, it, you know, oh. It's, yeah, it was lovely. Really, really um, lovely. But can I ask you, when he shouted you out, when he said, and welcome, we've got Graham Norton in the audience, did everyone turn around and look at this masked man I mean, it was weird. It was like they must have all known. Well, I mean, I was in a sort of petting zoo. I was, I wasn't a little. You were in the VIP area. I was in a little fenced bit in the middle of the pitch, in the With middle a of the football pitch. With spotlight on you. Uh, so uh, yes, the whole crowd did just turn and look, and then I. Was... And did you wave like the Queen? I gave a little wave, and then I did a lot of pointing at the stage because they were now not yes, looking look at him. Look back at him. Look back <laughs> you, at him. You've paid good money to see that man, not this stupid man. Did your uh, sister like that? I know how Paula likes the limelight. Did she oh, like that? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. She ripped her mask off. She was jumping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wonder what you were going to say when you said ripped her. I was thinking, no, Paula, no. <laughs> no, no, not the top. Uh, no. So a uh, big shout out to uh, uh, the, the, the guards in Cork for being very Jan, helpful last the night. Dutch Irish Jan. Jan. And also to Sir Elton John for really, you know, services to the music industry. It goes beyond, doesn't it? I mean, and also, what a big weekend. You know, Elton in Cork, uh, Adele in the park. Are you going to Adele yeah. in the park? No, I am not. My friends are going, but I didn't feel up to the challenge. Um, so, I mean, brilliant for Adele to be in Hyde Park, isn't it? It's just 
I love the summer. I love the summer of love and lots of festivals in Glastonbury last week. It's good. Yeah, makes you us feel really happy. Get, you should get a police escort. It's so easy to go places if you've got a police escort, Maria. Yes, uh. but it's not so easy to do if you're not as famous as Dame Nellie Norton. <laughs> in Cork. Maybe in my hometown of Bletchley, I might be able oh, to Oh, yeah. Now, there, there. <laughs> if Adele ever pulls a finger out and does a gig there. Virgin Radio. Now, without it. Maria. Mixing it up. Mixing it up. Saying things I've never said before. Woo. Uh, A big shout out to the band, by the way, last night. Elton John's band were just fantastic. Lots of old timers. People have been playing with them since the 60s and 70s. They were just great. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, Let's get on to some problems. Okay, here's the first one. Seems bad after Elton John to be doing this one, but it's a bit icky. Dear Graham and Maria, my neighbours somehow think it's acceptable to throw their baby's dirty nappies out onto the pavement. This has happened three times now, and although I suspect who it is, I can't be quite sure of who is doing it. Nobody seems to care, and sometimes I've had to go and pick the disgusting things up when they've been left out there for over a week. They don't seem to realise that this is not only a health hazard, but will also start to attract vandalism and crime if not dealt with. What can I do? And that is from Nikki in Gillingham. Well, Nikki in Gillingham, that is a very, very unpleasant situation. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, when you say I I suspect who it is, I'm guessing you can narrow it down by finding out which of your neighbours has a baby because Mm. people without babies don't normally have nappies knocking about in their house. Now, of course... You don't want to accuse people if it's not them, but you could just say, well, I've noticed, you could knock on a door of the perhaps suspect and say, I've just noticed there's a few uh, nappies outside. You know, the thing is, it will encourage rats. It will encourage other people to put unpleasant items out. And, you know, this is a nice, clean area, etc. And, um, you know, ask them to do that. Now, also, you could... If this, this this doesn't help, you could go to perhaps the council and say, you know, I don't want to dob anybody in it, but I'm afraid this is insanitary. What do you think? Well, I, one, it's not, it can't be that nice a cleaning area if they're out there for over a week. Do they not have road sweepers? Do they not have bin men? I mean, that seems extraordinary. The dirty nappies. I think you're just going left. back to the 1960s now with road sweepers and bin men. <laughs> they are a thing of the past, Graham. They've been on strike for at least two decades. <laughs> Even in Gillingham? No, yes. tell me it's yes. not true. Um, uh, do you know what I think's happened here? I th- I don't I because who the hell would throw a dirty nappy out in the street? I think this will be something like foxes or dogs or something getting into bins. That's what I think is happening here. Um, so I think there's a very nice way to do this. Just kind of going. Look, I've noticed a lot of you know I've noticed horrible things on the street. But, you know, obviously uh, we just need to. Um, secure our bins or something you know do it in that way because i think that's yes. probably what is happening is that people aren't putting the lid on a bin uh, or the the lid isn't secure and and dogs or foxes are getting in there and pulling well that's a nice and, way yeah. of thinking about it graham that perhaps that is the case and that would be a way round it we've noticed that, blah, blah, blah. but if you know normally in those cases there's lots of other things on the, but do you on think, the pavement no, but as well come on. Would you really think someone, an actual, maybe I'm just naive, but someone would throw a dirty nappy in the street outside their own house? I'm afraid I do think that because, you know, I see dirty nappies left on the beaches and things like that and people don't seem to understand. And I'm afraid the sort of people, this sounds awful, the sort of people that do leave... (laughs) Bree's going to get (laughs) cancelled. No, but the people that do leave dirty nappies, you know, on the beach and on the pavement tend in the on the whole not to be terribly reasonable can i say that and yes, so say that. it's going it's going to be difficult for nikki in gillingham to perhaps have a reasonable conversation which is why your possibility of foxes is a good one to maybe leave a sign up saying can we be make sure we leave our bins secure and don't put the don't put the black bags out because nappies have been on the street empty milk bottles etc you know gulls and you know you don't have too many seagulls in Gillingham but uh, foxes certainly will get into anything and um, you know it's one of those things that I don't really want you to get involved personally Nikki in Gillingham because I think it might not end well and you've got to live near these people so 
maybe if the notice doesn't change anything, perhaps get in touch with the council and there can be a more official letter, but with no notification of where it's come from. That sounds cowardly, but... Yes. Uh, and also, would bottom, take, line, would bottom, line, oh, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line is, uh, you know, this will end eventually because they'll toilet train their children and uh, that there, there will be no more nappies. So, you know, give it a year and Nikki and Gilling, Gillingham, this will be over. Uh, you know, so long as they don't have any more children. That, that's, that, that's, well, what we, that's what you've got to hope. Yes. I mean, I don't think Nikki and Gillingham is prepared to wait a year. These <laughs> things have happened. I mean, you know, when I see this on the beach, sadly, I go and pick things up because it's that thing of... If well, you, you you're say, a collector. You're a collector. I am. Uh, I, am. I collect <laughs> nappies. Um, if you just leave things and somebody else's problem, you know, if you see something, you know, there's poo bags from dogs you can just put that in your hand and pick something up and then you've done a good deed you know you're part of the community as well Nikki and you know you should sort of lead the way because you're right it will encourage more if there's rubbish left out on the street then other people will put rubbish out on the street that is just human nature so to try and maintain some level of sanity and um <laughs> and cleanliness I would just pick them up for now. If it's happened three times and you yeah. had to leave it outside for a week, you know, just pick it up. It's not worth getting into a fight. Virgin Radio. Featuring Maria. Oh, trigger happy there. Do you get fed <laughs> up of that jingle, Graham? No, no. Oh. I play it. I play it during the week. Do you, do you have it as your telephone calls? Like? Yes, I yeah, I do. And sometimes in the afternoon, I'll just think, well, I'll just, I'll just cheer myself up with the Graham's Guide jingle. There you go. <laughs> sometimes so I, practice, I, want to, I want to practice because, you know, I, I only do it two days a week. So, you know, it could get rusty. So uh, I try to keep on top of it during the week. All hey, right, sure, sure, you've got a letter. Sure, sure. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria. I'm brand new in a shared office, and there's a bloke who sits opposite the and uh, sits across the room, but directly behind me. The room is fairly small, so we're only a few meters from one chair back to the other. I occasionally get text messages on my phone, which I keep sitting on my desk. If I get more than two or three in quick succession, this guy inevitably twirls his chair around and asks me to turn the, off the notifications. Always very politely, and I know he's trying to concentrate. But this same bloke has multiple virtual meetings every week, for which he at least does use headphones, but he projects really loudly and clearly. He also turns his camera on for these meetings without giving me notice, meaning that one... <laughs> lost the will to live. Meaning that one minute we're both sitting quietly, concentrating on our work, and the next it's clear that the back of my chair and potentially whatever is visible on my computer screens are once again on a video call. We work at a university and I'm often marking student assignments when this happens. I'm now a bit wary of how much people might be able to see of what is potentially confidential information, as I know he doesn't blur his background. I'm a woman and I feel there's a bit of a double standard. My phone beeps twice and vibrates a few times a day and he shushes me like a schoolgirl. Yet he can talk out loud on a whim because clearly none of the work I do requires me to concentrate. Should I keep my phone on silent and suck it up? Or is there a polite way of suggesting that he should take his laptop to another work area if he's on a call? And that is from Claire in Glasgow. Now, Claire in Glasgow, I'm just going to remind you of something that's at the very top of your letter. I am brand new in a shared <laughs> office. Now, you are the new person, and as such, you know, you're feeling your way. How does this office work? What are the politics? How will I keep everyone on side and make friends with my fellow office worker? Yes, you should keep your phone on silent. Annoying notifications can really be difficult. But I don't think it's up to you to tell him about his long and you know loud virtual calls there must be a human resources uh, officer or whatever they're called in your department i'm hoping there is because i, I would just say look um just a suggestion i know i've only been here a week or whatever but uh when we're having Zoom meetings, it's quite hard to concentrate if there's somebody very loudly having a Zoom call, blah, 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 blah. Is there a place where we, a designated little room, room cupboard, something like that, where people could go 
for the Zoom calls, which has, you know, we can put a picture up in the background or a Zoom background or whatever. And so that it doesn't um, impinge on everyone else in the office. And they may say to you, no, this has been working perfectly well for a long time and I'm afraid there isn't. And you'll have to say, oh, well, it was just a suggestion. I wouldn't get involved with this man. He's asked you nicely to turn off your notifications very politely. And I think you should. With regard to his calls, I don't tackle it yourself. Go elsewhere. I don't, you know, when you say I'm a feel, I'm a woman, I feel like there's a bit of a double standard. Uh, I just think it's annoying for everybody, probably. If there's other people in the office, ask them what they think, perhaps. Um, but I would certainly go to somebody who's above your pay grade to suggest a special little Zoom room. <laughs> Graham. Yeah, I, well, I just think uh, Claire in Glasgow, she, he's basically turned around and said, oh, could you turn your phone off? And she's sort of, she's livid. She knows he's in the right, but she's livid. So she's trying to find things about him. She's, she's trying to find a double standard. I mean, the big double standard is he's working. <laughs> he's doing his job. You're well, just so getting annoyed. She. But no, so she's, she's, getting, no she's getting pings. She's getting pings from people texting her. She's just getting notifications on her phone. Of course it should be on silent. Why Why on earth would... Why Why was it not on silent to begin with? That is exactly. just basic etiquette for the office. So, you know, so your phone, put that I on silent. I love that you know etiquette of the office, Graham. That's very Well, because good. if you're working with other people, you don't, you know, that's really annoying if, if, if phones are continually pinging and, you know, making funny little sounds. So... Put your phone on silent. That's a no-brainer. Now, yeah. then then you kind of go, well, one, how annoying are his Zoom calls? Or are you, or are you just a gin him now? So you're trying... She's certainly you know, so, a gin him. That much yeah, is so everything, everything he does is going to be annoying. I think it it isn't uh, beyond the realm of, of sort of possibility to turn around and just kind of, you know, you know what? I'm a, you just say and phrase it kind of like, I don't know if I'm overthinking this, but you know when you on Zooms, often I've got um, coursework up here, a marking. Do you think there's any possibility anyone could see that? And then you've flagged it. You've said what you think might go wrong in this scenario. But if you nobody know, cares, coursework, it's it's hardly stuff that MI5 are going to be interested in, is it, really? Yeah, I think it's... it's more the loudness of his voice. He has got earphones on, ear, you know, whatever they're called. Headphones. Um, <laughs> headphones, thank you. Earphones. Uh, but it's the loudness of his voice. And you're right, she has taken again him because he dared to ask her to turn off the notifications. I mean, if it's really that bad, Claire in Glasgow, then start making a note of how many Zooms he has a day. And then, it, you know, if it's more than 10, then that is annoying if you're concentrating. But he's um, working. He is doing I, his job. Yes, I know, but it's a shared office. So there are certain sort of, where you're the one on etiquette, there's a certain amount of etiquette involved in not booming across the shared office every little detail of your Zoom call. People do seem to, you know, with their headphones on, everybody t speaks in a louder voice because some, you know, happens in your head that it just psychologically yes. you think, I need to speak now four times the sound of my normal voice. Talking of and headphones, maybe Claire should invest in some. And that would solve her problem. Come on, Graham. You're cooking on gas this morning. <laughs> Noise-cancelling headphones. Come in in a pair of those, a big muffly hat, and a little dome over your head and just go, morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, and drink your coffee through a straw. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Graham's Guide. Their responses are part one. And my favourite responders will be receiving a waitress number one lemon and lime drizzle cake. Think lemon and lime drizzle cake? Hmm, what else? Listen to this. It's lemon cake steeped, steeped in lime syrup and generously filled. I'm reading stuffed uh, with whipped lemon curd buttercream topped with a lime icing and a swirl of lemon curd. How delicious does that sound? Anyway, that's what you're getting. Our first letter was from uh, Nikki in Chillingham. Uh, long story short, dirty nappies outside her house. It's a neighbour. It's happened three times. Sometimes they stay there for over a week. Uh, what should you do? You know, it's ruining the neighbourhood and it's disgusting. And I think we'll all agree that it's disgusting. Uh, let's find out what you thought. Uh, Nikki, this is an unsanitary and public health issue. And this is from Carol, who lives in Lanzarote, so she'd know. Just report it to the council and let them deal with it. If you confront anyone, the nappies may end up right outside your home. I think... 
that's kind of where they are, Carol. <laughs> uh, dear Nikki, just put it in the bin. Use disposable gloves or an old plastic bag. You might like to invest in a grabber. They are cheap and you can keep it near your bin for such jobs. There must be times something mucky needs picking up in your own garden. You don't really have a problem here, Nikki, do you? That's Rod in Wiltshire. I mean, you're very relaxed about dirty nappies outside your house, uh, Rod in Wiltshire. If it happens once, I get it. Yeah, you roll with the punches and you deal with it. But this is now becoming a current... I think you have to do something about it. Uh, Deb's in uh, Apty Bridge. Trust me, people do throw nappies out. My lovely neighbours in a decent part of Cheshire horrified me by chucking their dirty nappies temporarily outside their front door. Our gardens didn't have a division. Ew, I didn't want to see that or indeed anything else. I do think that a lot of people with babies are probably struggling to keep it together, forget how their babies, noise, mess, etc. impact on others or maybe are too frazzled to care. That's that's a that's a nice response because you're understanding at the same time as being horrified. It also contains no advice or solution. But well done, Deb. Uh, Paul is in Peckham. Uh, Nikki could check if any of her neighbours have a video doorbell to catch the phantom pooper. <gasps> Paul, you've watched a lot of true crime documentaries because in America they all seem to have those doorbell cameras now so it's great, you get to see all the footage. Uh, Claire's in Glasgow. Our neighbours regularly throw nappy bags containing dirty nappies into our communal back garden from their third floor flat. Wow. It's probably because the nappies smell bad but as new parents they're too tired to walk downstairs to put them in the outside bin Coping with a baby can be physically and mentally draining. Instead of complaining, why not offer the mum some help? Buy a litter picker and put them in a bin bag yourself. Kids don't need nappies forever and this will pass. Thank you very much, Claire in Glasgow. Uh, who's going to get the cake? I'm going to give the cake to... Um, do you know what? I'm going to give the cake to Deb in Appley Bridge because she's thought about it. There was no advice, but I'm giving I'm giving her the cake nonetheless. That's right. Uh, right, my favourite responses will be receiving the Waitrose number one lemon and lime drizzle cake. Mm, steeped in lime syrup, generously filled with whipped lemon curd buttercream topped with a lime icing and a swirl of lemon curd. <gasps> okay, uh, our second letter was from Claire in Glasgow. She's just started a new job. She's new. And uh, she, for some reason, didn't have her phone on silent. So when texts are coming through, just pinging through, the guy in the open plan office who sits just meter, you know, very close to her, uh, would turn around and, and very, he, she says herself, very politely, would say, uh, I'm trying to concentrate. Could you maybe put your phone on silent? Okay. Well, she took a guinea. So now she's furious that he's having Zoom calls and talking loudly and she feels that uh, the camera isn't blurred for the background so people can see the work she's doing, which is often marking coursework for students and things. And uh, what should she do? Because she's not allowed to use her phone, but he can talk really loudly. You know, if, is this a double standard? Anyway, uh, here we go. What did you think? Uh, Lisa in Cambridge says, live and let live. It's going to be a long working day if you cannot tolerate other people's noises. Uh, wonder if this is trickier uh, for you after lockdown and working from home. That, I mean, that is a point, isn't it? Of course, have your phone on, on silence. So notifications, uh, that's just good manners. Noise cancelling headphones for when he's on calls. Why choose to make your work life harder than it needs to be by getting wound up by others' behaviour? Lisa in Cambridge, you are so wise. Saracen Sandbatch. Uh, your phone should be on silent in the office, Claire. I work in an open plan office and sympathise with the noise of colleagues on calls, but the background on Zoom, Teams, video calls can be blurred to protect privacy. If Claire's working on quiet, focused work, then work from home or find somewhere else to sit. That way you two can stop antagonising each other. Jackson, Birmingham. Claire, put your foot down early or you've lost. Ooh, Jack. I tell you, he's, he's at it. Uh, take the first opportunity to tell him about his inconsiderate behaviour. Show no mercy, even if you have been in the wrong with your texts. Uh, I'll be returning to the office soon after working from home. I cannot wait. Jack's going to be putting his foot down. That's what he's going to be doing. Uh, the girl in the office, mute your irritating phone and get yourself a privacy film for your screen. Uh, regarding the colleague's loud voice, listen to something via headphones to drown him out. All non-confrontational and easy to put into play. Take control of the situation. That's from Lisa from Cheltenham. Thank you very much. Uh, Lisa in Cambridge is going to get the Waitrose Lemon and Lime Drizzle Cake. 
delicious. The Graham Norton Radio Show Podcast. Virgin Radio. I did a quick Google. No, my guest never appeared in Friends, but he's been in so many other things and now stars in The Undeclared War, which continues uh, this coming Thursday at 9 o'clock on Channel 4. His name is Adrian Lester and he joins us now. Hello, Adrian. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. Uh, all the better for this because, do you know, this is bad, and I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I might not have watched The Undeclared War if I wasn't talking to you. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad I did. I fell into a terrible, a terrible Undeclared War rabbit hole yesterday and watched way too much of it. Uh, how do you describe it to people? Oh, it's, um, it's, uh... It, it, it depicts what happens in 2024. Johnson is no longer in power and Britain is the victim of a cyber attack, um, a series of cyber attacks. And um, Undeclared War is a drama that follows a young um, placement at GCHQ as she tries to uncover what's really happening. And you play the Prime Minister. I play the Prime Minister. I'm in charge of everything, yeah. Now, have you, you haven't played a Prime Minister before, have you? No, no, I haven't, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, and in terms of preparing for the prime minister, because obviously you don't want to be a bad prime minister, you you know. No. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how do you? Um, how how did you go about it? Did you watch kind of lots of footage of prime ministers and presidents, or what did you do? I it sort of took me back to my primary colours days, but I did. I watched lots of um, footage of interviews with um, with uh, people in positions of power. And um, just studied uh, um, body language and mannerisms and the way um, you're supposed to, you, people try to say um, nothing while sounding like they're saying something because they're trying to hide um, their arguments or, or um, not um, pin their, their colours to a mast. And so um, I, I, I looked at the ways, the many, many, many ways people do that. Um, they get the public, the general public to believe what they're saying, believe in them and their ideals without actually truly stating how those ideals are going to be carried out. And also what, what, what's so plausible about this is that, you know, oldie people like us, like what we are. Uh, <laughs> like what we, we is. <laughs> we, we really haven't got a clue. I mean, if there was a cyber attack, we would just, it, I mean, it would be dogs barking. We wouldn't understand. <laughs> it, is, it is down to the young'uns. To, to, save, to save us all. What was the what was the read through like? Because this is it's directed and co-written by uh, Peter Kaminsky. Um, the read through, because so, when you watch it, it all makes sense because you're you're seeing the computers and you're seeing what's going on. Mm, mm. But the the read through must have been just gobbledygook. Well, um, well Peter, he's such a um, prolific writer and and a really um, he's a great artist. And what he does is for every character. He presented the cast with um, one or two sides of A4 of detailed written backstory and present story so that you knew exactly who you were playing and, and, wow. and why. And it was stuff that he would draw on as he was writing further episodes. Um, and the read through was su surprisingly, we knew exactly what was going on. It was very, very, very clear. And I think um, some people have expected, you know, it's a cyber attack on Britain. They've expected a few more sort of spy led sort of hijinks and a bit of, you know, a bit of a car chase here and there and a bit of a, you know, a bit of, bit of sort of um, a bit of a lift off in terms of the drama. And what Peter's done is he's gone the opposite way. He's, he's just, it's a studied, um, painstaking, uh, uh, detailed account of what could possibly happen in that scenario. And horribly i mean certainly watching it you kind of think mm, this probably could happen uh, what's the what was the vibe on set that this could this could happen this could absolutely happen every every company now every major company has um a digital um department they have people who are scouring twitter and facebook and and so on to protect their brand name to answer questions to deal with complaints you know people who've said i've had my washing machine for four months and it's just broken down what are you doing you know and, and then brand name and then you'll have someone who'll find that and answer that person on that particular social media post and tell them who to get in touch with or what to do so they they, they have this they also have people who are firefighting um on social media and so on to protect the brand name and then you have your your cyber sort of defense um hackers who will be creating firewalls to make sure people who are trying to bring down your company online are not successful. Every company has that. And it's quite, 
it, it, you know, we always get locks to our front doors, but there's a there's another set of front doors in virtual um, in in cyberspace that need protecting as well, and it's quite a um, a strange world to get into. The fact that hackers in Britain can hack into another country and bring down their infrastructure that is absolutely um, real. It's it's not a, an invented thing. Yes, people who, who work in anything, they always say, if you know, if I was you, I'd put some sticky tape over the camera on your. On your laptop, which I've never <laughs> yeah. done, but <laughs> yeah, I, I have done that actually. I, I've have done you? That. Yeah, a couple of times I've I've made a phone call to someone, or you know, I've had an interview or something, and you you pick up your phone and you can see the tiny little green light is on, and that means your camera is active, but you're not activating it yourself. So I have taken to putting a little bit of um, tape over my camera, and I take it off when I want to take a selfie or something like that, but I put it back on again because wow. you don't know. Sometimes in the small print, you know, apps say, "Can we have access to your camera?" And you say, oh, yeah, you know, because at one point I might want to take a photo. But then once you say yes, and then you look at the, the permissions and the um, things you agree to, you don't really know what you're agreeing to when you say you can have access to my camera. Sorry to sound okay. like I'm a I, bit of a I've conspiracy now, theorist. I've, but, uh, I've now broken out in a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been pointing your camera at? <laughs> Nothing. I remember when you were on, we were on the, um, the TV chat show, you stunned us. <laughs> with your body popping uh, uh, sort of expertise did you was that in that disco would you have been doing your body popping then that that was um that was the period yeah that when we learned all of that we were we were spinning on our backs on our heads and elbows and doing crabs and all sorts of stuff um but i remember i taking you through the role doing the robot then electric boogaloo and then into full body popping mode and how it how it progressed over the years for us um in this country it's um yeah it's a hidden side of my uh of my well life it is there. it is interesting because you know i didn't know you could do that but then you have sung you were in love's ever's lost you were in guys and dolls but is there but i would have thought if you could sing and dance like you you would do more of that is there a kind of snobbishness where you kind of think oh i want to be taken seriously as an actor i'm not going to go the musical route <laughs> there's no there's no snobbishness involved but if you it's just what you're interested in if you um, uh, really like both, um, you're just very aware that sometimes you can get pigeonholed. And so you you have to put yourself in a position where you can do both. And I love drama and I love, you know, doing Shakespeare and I love all that stuff and love doing, you know, TV roles. Um, but if you if you um, lock yourself into a musical theatre route, you don't necessarily get the industry to see you as something else. So you have to sort of juggle things carefully and do musicals now and again. And normally and he- just dance around the kitchen. That's where I save it for. <laughs> That's where you give your best work. My best work is in the kitchen. <laughs> and you were uh, Broadway bound, but then uh, COVID had other ideas. Isn't that right? Um, COVID had other ideas, but we did we did actually do Broadway. Um, the Lehman Trilogy closed um, on in January um, on Broadway. And I recently went back for the Tony Awards because we got eight nominations. And I it was it was great. I loved it because my first time on Broadway and I got nominated for Best Actor um, in that year. And I was like, what? It's Christmas. I uh, didn't get it, of course. Um, no, of course. No, of course no. there. You you there. talk yourself up. <laughs> I didn't get it. It's a travesty. Who, who did <laughs> win? Was, who did who did win? Simon Russell Beale. Who was in our cast because there's three members of the cast. It was three hours long. We played 54 characters, 53 characters between us. Um, I mean, we were finishing each other's sentences and, you know, starting each other's thoughts. And um, uh, uh, Simon um, began the whole show. He had a sort of seven minute monologue at the beginning and he's been with the show for years. And and quite rightly, he got Best Actor um, that year. But it was wonderful that the three of us, all, all three members of the cast, all got nominated in the same category for Best Actor, which was lovely. Yeah, but he did win. Um, <laughs> he was. The, I know where he it was, is. I know where he it was is. the best. He was the best. No one. He was no the one said, No. No one said that out loud until the Tonys. <laughs> you had to sit there going, "Was he? Oh, okay. Was he? Uh, I was beside him. What was he doing? I, I was so good. He, he always told me I was better." Uh, talking of cast, <laughs> let's big up the cast of the Undeclared War, uh, which yeah. continues Channel Four on Thursdays. Because normally, with a show like this, they'd have you know one named actor, maybe two named actor. Uh, talk us through the, the people in the show. It's incredible. Well, yes, we've, um, we've got Alex Jennings, who I've known for years and, and always wanted to work with, and he's he's there. And um, we have a new new face, really, for many people, Hannah Kalike Brown, who's playing Sarah Parvin, who's the, who is the lead. Um, yeah. And she's 
it's it's gr- great to be working with someone and you think i'm just going to sit back and watch how far you go because this woman's going to take off she is fantastic um in the show mark rylance playing john yeebsley simon Pegg. um there's some blog called adrian lester um uh, yeah. tom mckay um uh, jamie muscato i mean it's it's quite a quite a strong um cast there and is it a big co-production with an american uh station or something I believe it is yes, and I'm not oh, okay. sure. Is it? I think it's. I think it's. Oh God, I don't have to say this. I think it's. And we don't care. Think... It's on Channel Four, so we don't need to know. But I just wanted. <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought this is so starry for just a British show. How are they affording all of these people? We we can do this. We can do this in Britain and have a British starry show. Well, it's also I think what's what's um. Uh, uh, what brings that is not just the the production company you're working with. It is actually the script, and it's Peter Kosminski. Um, you know, people will sort of drop what they're doing. If Peter says, I've got a part for you in a new thing I've written, people drop stuff and go, yeah, I'm here, I'm ready. What do you want? What is it? Because um, his work is so interesting and this is so taut and um, and interesting. So uh, yeah, there's there's quite a cast there. It is quite a cast and it is brilliantly twisty and turny. I think uh, there's six episodes, aren't there? Yes, there's six, yeah. yeah. Six episodes. Uh, I think all episodes are available now on all four, which is mm-hmm. bliss. I, <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. The well done channel four yeah well done binge well well yeah. done binging <laughs> on channel binge four <laughs> um, good luck with that it continues on thursdays at nine o'clock if you want if you want to do it if you want to consume it in that way uh, adrian lester enjoy the rest of your weekend thank you so much for well, joining dude. us thanks all Graham. right Have take care bye 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 the graham norton radio show podcast virgin radio still to come in dear Varma is joining me chatting all things obi-wan kenobi and a new western production of the seagull and jennifer saunders is here telling me all about starring in sister act the musical but first let's go to martha who's been traveling to you this week getting you barbecue ready she's been taken to the house of uh, one of the winners of the Waitrose Barbecue Experience. We talked about it uh, last weekend. We explained what you had to do. You just had to give a top tip to Martha and she would choose a winner. I think we're crossing live to Martha Collison now. Do they know you're in their house, Martha? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly hope so. No, we're sat on the sofa together and we're preparing some delicious food, so I would safely say they know I'm here. (laughs) Okay, I I thought you might pop out of a deep freeze or something. (laughs) Yeah, you're the winner. (laughs) (laughs) So what are... So the idea is you are cooking along with them. They're having a barbecue. Uh, What are you making for them? So we've made two things already, Graham. So we have made... Oh, actually, do you know what? Before... Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute, Martha Collison. Uh, I've been a very bad DJ. Uh, I tell you what we should discover is who the hell is the winner? Who Uh, won? Who won? Never ask. So I'm at the home of lovely Jen and her husband, Chris, and lovely, cute little baby. Excellent tip. Do you want me to tell you the tip? Or am I I, waiting? No, let's find out what what the tip was. Yes, please. So the tip was that if you've run out of fire lighters for your barbecue, don't worry. Just use a few Doritos because they catch fire really easily and they'll be a good substitute. I mean, round of applause for anything. I mean, I'm thinking about just lighting a fire in my house. That's going to be... <laughs> I know, I want to try it. <laughs> I want to That's a very useful thing. Yes. <laughs> So, Dorita, well done them. Okay, so that's who won. Congratulations to them, and we'll talk to them after we hear a song. Yes, come on, some applause. But now let's find out what you're making for them. So we've started off with a lovely Garibaldi Spritz cocktail. It was only 10.30, but they were game, so we went for it. (laughs) We went for it anyway. So it's a cocktail with Campari, a bit of rosemary, orange juice, really delicious. Then we've whipped up last week's watermelon Greek salad, and we are about to start some prep for some sun-dried tomato, cumin, and chilli flatbreads that they're going to pop on their barbecue a little bit later on to cook them. Are you making the flatbreads from scratch? I am. Now, they're a nice non-yeast flatbread recipe. It's an Ellie Pear recipe from Waitrose. And yeah, it's plain flour, yogurt, a bit of baking powder, sun-dried tomatoes, cumin, chilli, all of those good things. Um, and yeah, they only take uh, half an hour to make. So nice and quick. So half an hour in which bit? Is the half an hour the <laughs> n- kneading it and all that sort of stuff? So we're going to do maybe, I think the prep's probably maybe 10 minutes. So mixing, a little bit of kneading, then it's going to rest for about 20 minutes. And then it's okay. rolled out and popped straight onto your barbecue grill or onto a griddle pan. So they'll cook right next to your meat on your barbecue. 
delicious. And uh, we should say that uh, the recipes like for the watermelon feta salad, which was last week's, or these uh, tomato cumin and chili barbecued flatbreads, and indeed the Garibaldi, Garibaldi, Garibaldi spritz. Uh, you can find them all at the brand new Graham Norton Waitrose Hub on Waitrose website. You head to waitrose.com slash showchef to see all the recipes made by Martha. You can also check out the recipe on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, I will talk to the winner and discover uh, how excited or <laughs> nervous they are to have you in their house. Uh, I think Jen's on the line now. Hi, Jen. Hello. Hello. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you. I know it's a good price. You get the, the, the port of barbecue, you get a delivery of food, and you get the fragrant Martha. Uh, was, were you, was it nerve-wracking thinking the chef was going to be in your kitchen? A little bit, but Martha's just so lovely. She's made it really easy. Oh, isn't she nice? My, <laughs> I, nice. I would have been up all night cleaning. I would have been doing a lot of cleaning if there was a chef coming to my kitchen. I, I can't say that didn't happen. <laughs> I can confirm that it's very clean. Very clean kitchen. Oh, Beautiful good, good, good. Kitchen. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and are you feeling a bit merry now, uh, Jen? Not just because of Martha's um, company, but also because you've had a Garibaldi spritz. Yes, and I, I've got a three-month-old baby, so it's the first cocktail I've had for probably about a year. So <laughs> it has maybe gone a little to my head. And you've had it at half ten in the morning. Well <laughs> yeah. done. Like, back on the bike. Yeah, enough, oh, yeah. E- enough of that. A, a little boy or a little girl? It's a boy, Rory. Rory, how lovely. So uh, he, but he's, presumably he's not eating any of this barbecued food. No, not, 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 no. not yet. No, so in a couple no. of months, I can make some of this watermelon salad for him. Yeah, he'd love that. Yeah. Mm. Garibaldi spritz, help him sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, what else are you making today, uh, Jed, to go with the uh, the flatbreads and the salad? Well, Waitrose delivered so a giant chicken shawarma, so we'll be cooking that. We've got some uh, fancy um, burgers from Waitrose, which have like cheese already involved in them. And I must add that Jen has actually made her own baps. So when we arrived this oh, morning, they're, they're oh, baps. sorry, not baps. I've been told this already. Balm cakes. Oh, their own yeah. Balm cakes. <laughs> so we had a bacon bun when we arrived, homemade in oh, homemade lovely. balm cake. She doesn't need me, Graham. She's fine on her own. <laughs> and actually, do you know what I really want to know? This, Jen, because it sounds like a drunken accident. How did you discover that Doritos would like to barbecue? <laughs> Well, I used to be a science teacher, so there's that old experiment where you set fire to various foods and Doritos, oh my gosh, they just go up like crazy. Um, and that is how I discovered it. I love that that old experiment where you set fire <laughs> to food. It still sounds like a drunken accident. <laughs> Miss, Miss Bramwell's drunk again. She's setting fire Ooh. to food. <laughs> that honestly, that I'm thrilled with that bit of information that Doritos can uh, double as a fire lighter because you know it's miserable trying to light a fire if you don't have mm. a fire lighter. So yeah, fantastic. Um, and do you have anyone coming round to eat all this food? Who's going to be there? So Rory's usually at a swimming class uh, right now. So we've invited all his swimming class friends over. So as soon as class finishes, they're coming over to test the barbecue out. How oh, fantastic. Well, listen, congratulations, uh, Jen Bramwell. Be very kind to Martha. Don't, don't work her too hard. And uh, return, her, return her in the condition you found her, please. Will do. <laughs> all right, congratulations to you. Enjoy your barbecue with baby Rory and all his friends. Take care of yourself now. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Time to meet my first guest of the day. I mean, she's just showing off. The range, the work ethic, it's all there. So much to talk about and such different projects. Uh, please welcome to the show, Indira Varma. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Graham. Hi. Nice to talk to you again. Um, uh, so, Obi-Wan Kenobi, this is huge. That you're in. This is all on Disney Plus now. How many episodes are there in this first season? Six only. <gasps> Mini series. And now yeah. we're allowed to say you're playing Tala. I'm playing Tala Duris. I now have a surname. I'm very pleased about that. <laughs> um, and um, she, I mean, I, I think probably quite a few people have already watched it. So I'm not quite sure about how the spoilers work, but I am. Well, it's up to you. Officer. It's up to you. You, If you do it, yeah. it's fine. If I do yeah, it, I get fired. I All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'm an imperial officer, but I am sort of working undercover, um, saving Jedi, as you do. 
Of course. Oh, yeah. hello. And uh, and some this is what I mean. If people know the Star, and people do really know the Star Wars world, this is set mm-hmm. ten years after the Revenge of the Sith. Is it? Oh, please don't ask me things like that. Oh, good. Yes, I'm, I'm so believe glad. I'm so glad you, you don't know. know. That, then that must be the right. That um, must be the right answer. Because on set, is there a some? Because Star Wars is so huge. You know, you you'll be right to assume that everyone knows everything about it. So, on set, is there an assumption that you all know the lore and the backstory? No, there isn't, because actually these are standalone stories. Really, obviously, Obi has his continuation, um, but what's actually happening in this series is standalone, and um, my character hasn't existed before, so I can do whatever I like. Woo-hoo. Which is quite fun. So, is anyone? I know. Um, obviously, Ewan McGregor's back from the olden days, and Hayden yeah. Christensen's back from the olden days. Is there anyone else repeating roles from the old films? Do you know? Um. Oh, I'm not really sure. Actually, <laughs> that's terrible. Well, um, yes, when you hey, got yes, no, I don't really know. Um, and is. <laughs> So, because the thing is, if people are if people are kind of Star Wars fans, and there are gazillions yes. of Star Wars fans, you know, if they got the call saying you're going to be in the new Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, uh, you know, they would be beside themselves. For you, was it just another job? Was it just kind of like, yeah, I'll do that? Well, kind of. I mean, I wasn't a ma- as you can tell, I <laughs> I wasn't a massive uh, Star Wars fan, but you know, it's the backdrop to most of our our childhoods. Um, and in my case, it really was the backdrop. But I still played Princess Leia when I was eight years old. You know, in the playground without actually having seen a film. Um, so, but but the idea of being part of something so epic was really exciting. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to be part of it. And when I what? spoke, I spoke to you last on the. I do a book podcast, and you were on there talking about Terry Pratchett's world of of the witches, and you do the audio books. Is yeah. it because has all of this come about because of Game of Thrones? That once you're in the world of fantasy, people go, "Oh yeah, she can do that." Is that how it works? I guess. I mean, I I love what I love is variety. Um, so I do love the idea of doing audio stuff, TV, film and theatre and keeping it as varied as possible. So but but then at the same time, I do think you sort of get a little bit typecast and then people think, oh, yeah, she can do that epic quality thing or speak, make real language that sounds a little bit archaic. Do you know what I mean? Um, she can perform uh, gobbledygook. So <laughs> make that kind of language sound real um so yeah I, i'm happy to kind of to make hay while the, while the sun shines in a way but i do always want to keep it mixed oh. and how mixed i mean i was saying there you know you're just showing off it is like you know alexa show me range so you're, you're playing, <laughs> playing tala you know we want good hopey but you're also in the west end in the jamie lloyd company production of the seagull now this was meant to happen because i remember seeing the sign for it on the um the the uh, the playhouse in London. It was it That's sat it. there sadly for all of lockdown. Oh, yeah. We used to walk past it on our non-dog walking walks. Um, yeah, it was really sad. And that's definitely not fancy. This is not a fancy version of the seagull. Um, yeah, it's great to be back on stage and doing something live and having an audience there in front of us and sharing something. That is really exciting. And it's and it's amazing to be back with Amelia Clark, who of course is fantasy Game of Thrones. Um, it's the best. I love it. I also think that theatre really tests you as an actor. Um, this particular production is incredibly exposing. We're not really lit. We don't have, we're not wearing linen. There's no fancy set. Um, it's bare bones, Chekhov, uh, an Anya, very up-to-date Anya Reese version. Uh, it's hopefully going to be funny, but it's also quite devastating. And um, we're all mic'd up. And Jamie Lloyd, who's directed it, sort of says it's a bit like it's got the intimacy of radio and of the close-up. So it's not your conventional theatre. Wow. So were you supposed to be in that production where I saw the poster for two years yeah. hanging up? <laughs> Yes, and we we um, we rehearsed it. We did four previews, and then we came. Oh, you in actually! Oh, you actually did it! Oh, oh how... yeah, we really did. And oh. then we came in on the Monday, the sixteenth, I think it was of March. Uh, we did the warm up, 
And then the producer walked on stage and said, oh, we have to close. And it was really, really devastating. I cried a lot. But also they must have done that thing kind of like, oh, we'll just delaying for a couple of weeks till this blows over. Exactly. And all our stuff was gathering dust in the theatre, you know, all in the state, in the, um, the dressing costume stuff, department yeah. and all that. The mice were eating our makeup. There was all that going on. <laughs> and we were waiting to go back. And it was like, do we practice our lines? We were having Zoom meetings and all that carrying on. Um, but we did, one thing we talked about was the fact that this isolation that the pandemic brought was actually quite helpful for um, the play because there's a lot of isolation. These characters are isolated together um, and it sends them all a bit mad. So who do you play? Because I, I mean, I know, you know, obviously it's Amelia Clark. She's Nina, I'm guessing. She's Nina. She's sort of the seagull. Um, and I'm our Cardiner, who is this middle-aged actress, typecast again, and who is basically, she brings home her, she lives in the city and she brings home her young lover, who's a very famous writer. And uh, they, she's eclipsed by the youth. And it's a sort of, it's a play about love, all every guise of love, including kind of fame um, and ambition and writing and, the, the the youth, it's about what they hope for and how that gets destroyed by this young lover who I bring in, who's sort of like a little bomb that we let we let off in this place. It's kind of sad. My character's a little bit destructive, kind of mean, you know. But funny. Good fun too. Yeah, good. Very funny. Yeah, big Hopefully. laughs. Big laughs. If I get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and we should say it's not at the the, the playhouse on Northumberland Avenue anymore. You've now no. set up a shop at the Harold Pinter. Is that right? Or is it the comedy theatre? No, it's we the Harold have. Pinter. The lovely Harold Pinter, yeah, that used to be the comedy theatre. It's gorgeous theatre. Hard to yeah. keep up. And you're there until the 10th of September. And then what's happening in, in Disney Plus World? I mean, uh, spoiler, but does, does Tala, did she make it to the end of season one? She gave up her life. Oh, no. For OB. Oh, yeah. that she was a spoiler. It's really lovely. It's really <laughs> lovely, actually. <laughs> if, if such a thing can be lovely. So yeah. someone from Disney is now screaming. <laughs> no, no, no. Going, so what? No, they're giving it all away. Stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> no, it's uh, really good. It's really good. <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely story arc. It's brilliant. And I get to have a droid, which I'm no. thrilled about. Oh, okay. No, because I was thinking, because I was going to say, you know, I, do you have to, because where did you film the first season? Um, we did it in Manhattan Beach Studios in LA <gasps> on the volume, which I, I don't know if people have heard much about the volume. The Mandalorian was shot on the volume. That was the first show that was, was using this technology, which is essentially a huge studio of LED screens. And it's a bit like stepping inside a video game. Um, you don't have, it's not like old school green screen where you watch a guy holding a stick with a cross on the end of it and that's your spaceship or whatever, your ship coming into land. Yeah. You've actually, you actually see it all happening. Um, so it's brilliant. It's, it's like being there on location, but in a galaxy far, far away. Well, actually, there's a new place in London. I did a gig there a couple of weeks ago called The Outer Net and it's Ooh. got these incredible screens and you think you're looking at the building, you know, the way it's set up, you know, it's kind of bricks yeah. and girders and stuff. And you think, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm just in a room. And then crazy things start happening and you realize, oh, no, these are all screens. They're not solid. Yeah. So, like, the ceiling can open to reveal the night sky or a spaceship or something. And, it, it, and you know, someone told me this and I, I sort of rolled my eyes. I thought, oh, I'm sure. And then when you're there, it's incredible. So I imagine it's a, yeah. a similar thing to that. Yeah, very much so. And and of course, it's all lit. The LED screens light it. So that creates this real in, extraordinary atmosphere. So you're already, you know, it can be daylight. It can be bright sunshine out in L.A. And then you enter this place and it's this really gloomy, atmospheric cave or whatever it might be. And it's it's fantastic. It's sort and of the, no action required. And tell me this, Indira, the cave that you're watching when you're in that place, the, the volume, is that, yeah. is, that, is that the same cave as I see if I watch it on Disney Plus? Yes. Yes, it is. That's what's amazing. I think nowadays it's, they do more work in, um, you know, pre-shooting than in post. 
post okay. a pre-production rather than post-production. So actually everything that I'm seeing when I'm on set is pretty much what you're seeing. When, when the camera itself is on it, it sort of comes to life even more. With the naked eye, things don't move by themselves so vividly. They're not three-dimensional. Whereas as soon as the camera's on it, it sort of, it, it has all these dimensions. It's extraordinary. I mean, I it's feel like really Indira Varma has come from the future to tell us all about it. <laughs> she has time travelled back to tell us how television is made in the future. Uh, well, that, that does sound incredible. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you can see all of that on Disney Plus right now. And The Seagull, are you, are you in previews yet or have you opened? Or Yes. Well, oh, okay. we've, we've just finished our fourth preview. So we're exactly the same place as we were <laughs> two years ago. So I'm hoping it won't get cancelled by Monday. So everything else, everything else is a, a bonus. Probably someone from Disney is going to come and uh, bundle you into a car for giving spoilers no. for Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Um, good luck with the seagull that's running at the Harold Pinter Theatre until the 10th of September enjoy the rest of your Sunday lovely to talk to you Indira bye thank you, thank you so much bye bye <laughs> well second guest alert uh, she's back and she's in a musical boys it's Jennifer Saunders hello Jennifer hello how are you <laughs> I'm very well are you uh, in a darkened room with a wet rag on your head are you in rehearsals <laughs> No, we've opened in Manchester. We're in, we're um we're up and running in Manchester. Oh, cuz somebody treated me to say they'd seen you in Manchester and how good it was and I thought that must be from when you did it before, but no, this is yeah. this is now. It's happening now. It's happening now. We've done our, we've just completed our our first week in Manchester and um all without incident, I have to say. <laughs> They're loving you. They're loving you. Uh, so this well, is it's sister- a fantastic music. I mean, I have to say, I just when I'm not on, which is quite a lot, I just sit by <laughs> stage and watch. It's got the most wonderful songs and some fantastic singers. I just watch it from side stage every night. The cast is so good. It, yeah, like it's it's sort of an embarrassment of riches. You didn't need yeah. this many good people in one thing. <laughs> um, uh, tell us who tell us who who you're starring alongside. Well, I mean, uh, Leslie Joseph is hilarious in it. Absolutely. <laughs> she does a rap at one point that honestly just brings the house down. And um, there's Lizzie B, who has been in, I mean, so many musicals and has got the voice of an angel. I mean, it's extraordinary. Um, we've got Kiala Settle. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, hello. And um, people know her from um, The Greatest Showman. Um, and... Uh, we've got uh, uh, here in Manchester, it's Sandra Marvin, who has got the most extraordinary voice, who's playing Dolores, which is the lead. And in London, when we get to Hammersmith, um, it's Beverly Knight. I mean, hello. <laughs> I mean, it's hello. so good. It's it is so, so good. good. When because you come from a world of you know it's it's either you or it's you and Dawn sort of yeah. showing off. What's it like when you get into a rehearsal room when it's it's packed with that many talented people? Do you do you I kind of become shy? I ask them to leave. Um, <laughs> I, you leave now and and never never listen to me sing. Um, it's it is a bit intimidating, but the truth is, it's like. I've never been in a company like this before. You know what I mean? It's a proper company. Yeah. And and everyone is incredibly supportive. Very, very lovely and supportive. And they realise just how terrified I am. And it helps. <laughs> well, we, we don't know you as a singer. Uh, does Mother Superior, no. does There's she join in a lot? That, Graham. There's a very good reason I'm not known <laughs> as a singer. <laughs> I think I'm there to inject the comedy. Um, and I, I do talky singing, you know, talky singing, like sort of oh, yeah. Rex Harrison talky singing. Love You pitch your voice a little bit and, um, and speaky singing. <laughs> because now, am I right in thinking that Whoopi Goldberg played the Mother Superior in an earlier production? Is that right? Or am I making yes, that up? Yes, yeah. No, Whoopi has, um, I think she's played Dolores at one point too. And I think... Um, and she's sort of, uh, yeah, she's she is involved in it. I think she's a, you know, she has a, an interest in Sister Act. So um, <laughs> I bet she does. And yeah, she's played, uh, she has played Mother Superior. Yeah. And in fact, about, you know, when this was first mooted many, many years ago, 
um, before lockdowns and COVID and everything. Um, I think she did at one point think she was going to come back and, and play Dolores as an older Dolores. Um, but um, since then, many, many years have passed and it's now Beverly Knight. Yes, and somebody, listened to, somebody listened to the score. <laughs> 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 it's honestly, it's, the, the music is fantastic. And every night people are on their feet. It's like, it's extraordinary. It's every song is a winner. Every it, song. Because it is funny, isn't it? You know, comedy is great. Hearing people laugh is great. But when you see the power of music over an audience, yeah. it's, there's yeah. nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And at the end, there's a, there's a sort of finale. And, and the lights come up in the audience, all on their feet, having such a good time. Honestly, it, it is a remarkable thing. And and you're playing big houses. I mean, when you get to London, you're at the, uh, what is it now? It's the Eventum Apollo now, isn't Eventum it? Eventum Apollo, yeah, yeah. So we'll be there for six weeks. I mean, what a treat. Even because as it's, yeah, and also because you're not, you're not carrying it. There's so many amazing people in this yeah. thing. It, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, it, it is an abundance of riches, really. I mean, the voices, there's Jeremy Seacombe, who um, plays Curtis, the gangster, and he's done Phantom and Lane Miz, and he's got the, the most beautiful voice. I mean, and am, I, am I right? Thinking Clive Rowe's in it as well. Clive Rowe is in it, who is like one of my all time favorites. I mean, he's just a fantastic singer, and, and he's funny, you know. Everybody is amazing in this show. It's like whoever was casting it thought some of these people will turn it down, and then no one did. Nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> got everybody at a weak moment. But, um, <laughs> but, but the truth is, I mean, it's just a hugely fun show and a huge fun show to do. And I think if you're a singer, the, the numbers are, you know, wonderful to sing. You, you imagine. I imagine. I imagine in my pocket singing that it's very, very good to sing. I mean, I'm in awe. And uh, when uh, and so you're that's the 19th of July. You're down here. So when do you yeah. finish in Manchester? Do, is it straight through? We finish um, next week, the end of next week. And then yeah. you we have yeah. a week a week to retech it and um, and get going again. Woohoo! <laughs> I know, uh, talking of uh, starry cast, I haven't seen you since. I must, congratulations on a Death in the Nile, Death on the Nile. Oh. Yes. <laughs> well, no, because no, uh, it did, I mean, because of whatever things, it kind of uh, disappeared. But I had my mom staying and it's such a perfect, you know, I thought, well, she'll enjoy this. And I really enjoyed it. You and Dawn are so good in it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. We had, you know, we had a blast doing it. I mean, just the best time ever doing it. Because again, abundance of riches. I mean... Well, again, oh. and I was thinking, and I was watching it thinking, ooh, I wonder if Jennifer and Dawn had to slightly show off less because there were such very, very, very starry people around. Well, no, because everyone was very overexcited. We spent the, the whole time just running because, you know, they built that boat, that huge boat, and it, all the cabins were appointed and everything. It was just, honestly, we just had a, such a fun time doing that. Ooh, and and you... again, you know, again, it was like, it was like we felt like slight usurpers. Oh, we're on a big movie. <laughs> we felt like somehow, you know, we, we, we were just enjoying the experience rather than actually being in it, which was... Because when you watch it, when you watch it, it is unbelievable that no one went to Egypt. I know! Isn't that extraordinary? It was the Cotswolds Water Park. And, um, <laughs> and somehow, and somehow they, they did it. And, and not with, with very little... Um, CGI, just a, a you know the odd moment, obviously pyramids. Um, but uh, no, they they built these huge these huge monuments in um, Long Cross Film Studios, and it, it was it was an extraordinary experience, I have to say. And a bit like this, you know, you think you're dipping into a world that you don't really belong in, and um, and just enjoying enjoying the show. And I mean, you are funny in it, but you're not kind of the light relief. You're part of you're part of the story. Um, we talk very quietly in it, you know, that, you know, because um, Dawn and I have quite loud voices. We like to do our comedy like this and our acting like this. And every time Ken would come up and he goes, a little less, love, a little less. <laughs> and then we'd go, we talk like this. And Lauren would go, a little less, love, a little less. <laughs> we, talk, 
we could barely hear each other. And that was perfect. We could barely hear. Well, I could see Dawn's mouth moving. I didn't know what was happening. I could hear spit moving around, but that was it. And then in film, they talk very, very quietly. It's, it's extraordinary. But is that a Kenneth Branagh thing? Or does everyone do that in well, film? I think generally people, they do the acting. You know, and it's like they, they give, because it's also, there's a lot of close-ups in that film too, aren't there? And so I think it's like, you know, it's very close and um, dramatic. But oh, you, can't, you can't hear the other actors at all. <laughs> well, watching it, I could watch. I didn't even have to have the subtitles on for my mother, who's quite deaf. So, uh, you know. <laughs> You, you did a you did a marvelous job. A marvelous job. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you when are you when is your new book coming out? Because I've become addicted to you reading your books. Oh, that's so kind of you. Uh, 29th of September, thanks for asking. Good, thank you. Because like, um, this is a full circle promotional moment. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for coming I'm, on my I'm show obsessed, to promote I'm my book. Your cork accent. I just love it. I just when you it's just gorgeous. Oh, do you listen to the audiobooks? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. I, it has to be you reading them. Oh, I'm mortifying. Mortifying. I'm embarrassed now and I must go. Uh, listen, uh, let's remind everybody that you star alongside that amazing cast. Uh, you star as Mother Spirit in Sister Act from the 19th of July at the Aventum Apollo. Tickets available now at Sister Act the Musical, all one word, dot co dot UK. Uh, Jennifer Saunders, go, relax, sleep, rest. Thank You'll you. need it. And uh, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Lovely. Thank you so much. All right. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on our socials? If not, you're missing out on all the behind-the-scenes action from the kitchen to the studio. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. I'm off on holiday, so speak to you on my return. Goodbye.